An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. Um, rugby league has been a fabric of our society for hundreds of years. It's people's escape, it's people's relaxation, and we need to do everything in order to continue that great uh, tradition of rugby league. It has been those Australians who have worked hard every day. They have their dreams, they have their aspirations. These are the quiet Australians who have won a great victory tonight. Yes, uh, talking time in this uh, second wave of COVID, time seems to be slowing down again, I've noticed, gentlemen. And today, Dennis Carnahan, sad, sad but true. Uh, the golden era of Canberra Raiders in 2020 has come to an end. Uh, Chris Gale, how you, you're riding pretty high, I gather. We were up 34-0 at halftime against the beleaguered North Queensland Cowboys, Stephen. Okay. And I made the very, very sensible decision of driving to watch... Parramatta Roosters at a friend's place so I could avoid the inevitable comeback right. that would have taken years off my life. Now, uh, our guest today, and it's the first time we've had a guest with the quiet bunch, not the loud bunch at FBI Radio. Well, Brendan Cowell, it's, is he a guest? Was he? He's, a... Like a, he's like a lost brother, isn't he? Yes. He wasn't actually with us. He was over in the UK. True. He was yes. a virtual guest. Exactly. So, so exactly. In, in our inaugural quiet Patrick Skeen. Yeah, and uh, the big O is the book we'll be talking about specifically, but we'll have broader questions to ask. As in, you're a winner with the Tigers. Did the Dogs lose this week? Yes. They did. 50-50 <laughs> and the Warriors... You're a man with a three-way bet. I'm trying to explain to people here. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm polygamous with my rugby league teams. Yeah. And as we were saying yes. earlier, there's a lot more of us out there than yes. would admit to. And it's a little bit like taking taking a sort of a, you know, a, a punt on, 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 a, on a place for a number of horses in the Melbourne Cup. You're going to get something somewhere, maybe a few dollars back. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, you're wearing a Kummels jersey, is that yes, right? Yes, I'm yeah. a big fan of Papua New Guinea rugby league. I think it's one of the most unique things we have in the game. And Absolutely. Can I just bring up something you're probably unaware of? Did you know that rugby league is the national sport of Papua New Guinea? This is something Don't that most... Tell me that, Chris. <laughs> most people are unaware of that. Yeah. And it's never, ever brought up when it's covered by rugby league shows when they talk about Papua New Guinea. Yeah. It gives me an advantage in those pub trivia nights. <laughs> <laughs> Which we did very poorly at, as I recall, Chris, didn't we? Oh, my goodness. We went to uh, a, a fundraiser of some, and it was the most arcane... Yeah. Information. Jeff Armstrong, who's a great sports publisher, and I don't know if you might have had some yes. uh, dealings with him, Patrick, he knew the answers. But we knew none of them. I'm proud of that. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, Did he look, write the questions? <laughs> no, but it was uh, very impressive. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, in this particular week of uh, the resumption code of Rugby League 2020, it would appear that uh, though the unifying forces of the Overlord and Rugby League as a game itself has not stopped from the rest of the country falling apart literally at the seams. Uh, Western Australia wants to secede. Uh, we can't Again. fly to the Gold Coast and there's a battle with uh, Palaszczuk, of course. Freddie Fittler hasn't quite bridged that gap. And now, of course, Gladys has come out to say what, Chris? Well, there's an announcement as we've gone to... You don't really go to air when you're on a podcast, do you? As what? we've gone to pod. As we've gone to, we've gone to cast. <laughs> Gladys Berejiklian has had this to say, and I, I can just imagine her on the steps of Macquarie Street. Can you do an impersonation? We did some great ones last week, so I reckon <laughs> she's going to sound a lot like Volandis <laughs> and Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> can you do a North Shore Stepford wife? <laughs> Does she sound like the Martian from Bugs Bunny? Let's I, I can certainly do that. Okay. Uh, 
She's standing on the steps of Macquarie Street with her loud howler. I call on all organisations not to interact with citizens from Melbourne at this stage, Ms Berejiklian said. So that's it. No interaction with anyone from Melbourne. Yeah. It, yeah. I, it was always going to come to this, yeah. wasn't it? It's not like we hate Victoria as such. It's just Melbourne itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they call it? The <laughs> Prague of the Victoria. South. You know, the Paris of the South. You know, the coffee shops and their graffiti and blah, 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 and the dirty old Yarra. So anybody around there, we, we've now got official approval not to... So is country Victoria okay? Well, no, it's like not. Like the Grampians or... or no? Well, I, I think Gladys has probably got um, aspirations for annexing that territory for herself. <laughs> Shifting if, the border. If, if the virus is not there. It's wherever yeah. they eat meat. Yeah, and, 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 and look, you know, you know what they always say when they're talking about how great Melbourne is. They say, you know what, it's a cosmopolitan city. That is, Do they? That's actually code for it's cold. <laughs> Miserable. Not, but not as sort of refreshingly cold as Tasmania without the art, without the culture. I mean, Tasmania's got something completely, haven't they? Canberra's the one. Yeah. I remember seeing an ad for the army in Canberra and the... It was advertised as cool and bracing. Ooh, yeah, that's what <laughs> that was one there. of the bullet. Fe- that was one of the features. Yeah, I it like helps that. the brain think yeah. of cool air. That's why they put Parliament there. Hmm. How many years did, did you live there? I served twenty-two years. It's twenty-two years. Yeah. That's that's probably enough to be a Raiders fan. You're probably excused. <laughs> yeah. Born and, and raised. don't we know it, Chris? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, this whole uh, notion that I believe that, uh, and I think we all understand that we're entering into the second wave, the feared second wave of the COVID virus mm-hmm. is coming back to bite us. It's going to affect rugby league because we were hoping to flower under under Volandis. It, it appears that they that may well be uh, prohibited. Uh, we're yet to see because it's a two-week cycle. Uh, but in that process, of course, we had a round of footy, which is pretty damn good as far as I was concerned. Is that right? Because you had a win. Had a win. Who'd you beat? Uh, I don't even care. No, we, I know we built the perennial losers, the Titans, unfortunately. So three of your last four wins have been against the Gold Coast Titans. Yes. They're certainly building something down Illawarra way, aren't they? It, but isn't it a perfect, perfect timing for the Roosters, is it? The, aren't we looking forward to that, that murder, bloodbath? I, I, of course, have been nothing but supportive of Peter Volandis throughout this entire yeah. journey. But he did say, and I do like to point out, when the crisis, he said, you, when he first got the job, you'll only see me when there's a crisis. Otherwise, I'll be invisible. Mm-hmm. And fair enough, there was a crisis. Yeah. COVID-19, there were some issues. <laughs> yeah. You would have thought that the crisis was over and he'd disappear. Well, all the evidence is he's not disappearing, so the crisis is still on. Is that correct? Well, as I just mentioned, the second wave is happening. Right. So it's the second coming now of Volandis. But he's also identified in, in the crisis of COVID, that crisis has ripped the blanket off, has ripped the Band-Aid off, and we've seen, he's seen crisis after crisis after crisis hence we've got the the new penalty rule hence we've got uh, you know the He's found a crisis in Campbelltown. He's had to move that. He's, he's finding crises For every everywhere. action, people. For and every he's action. Find, you know, he's finding a crisis with the bunker. He's, he's, there's crises everywhere. Mm. And, and what's the crisis at Campbelltown? Oh, it's a cow paddock. It's a cow paddock. <laughs> it's a cow paddock. He's the ultimate fireman, isn't he? Putting out little fires everywhere. And, and, and this, big ones. And this <laughs> was uh, no more evident than, uh, Patrick, I don't know if you caught last night, 100% footy, you'd be a, an avid watcher, I'm sure. Indeed. Peter Volandi was on for the entire episode. Like, you can, you can imagine sort of wanting to get a sort so of So was he a panellist? Or is he, is he became he... Patrick Skane style. He became a, a panellist <laughs> overnight. <laughs> so so you, you weren't getting a diverse views of rugby league, but you were certainly getting a view. And at one stage he described Gus Gould as the... His knowledge of rugby league was encyclopedia. In fact, he called him Gus Google. And... <laughs> And, and and he was just he was just throwing down cards, saying this is where we're going, right? One of the things that I, he thought I think is directly pertinent to, uh, to Barry Jicklin's announcement today mm-hmm. 
is the Melbourne storms because of issues associated with COVID and some disasters with the other code. I can't even remember what it's called. The storms have been relocated from Melbourne to Sydney. Is this the end of the storm? I think it is. Mm. Well, as we know it. Yep. And at another time, he was talking about that there has to be a 17th team in Brisbane. He says, because I don't want to take rugby league to AFL strongholds. I rusted on was the rusted on rusted AFL on supporters, right? And so, has there not been discussions about Brisbane now uh, rugby league in, in shaky ground because both the Suns and the Gold Coast, uh, where obviously the Titans are, poor, are doing well, yeah, doing fantastic, uh, and something about there's another code team in Brisbane. Because the Suns had a win, did they? Yeah, yes. they've had a couple, and he said, yeah, I don't want to cannibalise uh, the the Broncos or the um, Titans. Titans, they're called. But yeah, it's hard to remember, isn't it? Yeah. Hang on. That's, that's just Steven, even, just that's even. But I can sort of see, and this is a little expression I came up with a few years ago. I patented it. It's called, can't I wait. you can kill two birds with one stone. Can you just? Yeah. You, you ostensibly get the storms out to Sydney. Now, they're either going to be staying at the Manly Novotel or the Homebush Pullman. Right. Both those uh, hotels, be warned, you'll be like cruise ships. Okay. I mean, people will not but want neither, to stay there in the future. neither directly near one of the grounds. Mm. At well, this the, point, the Pullman's near the uh, Olympic Stadium. But will that be used? Well, they just, they just jumped on Cogra, and Cogra was nowhere near Matchready, so yes. they, they, they might as well. I, guess, I heard it's the Jolly Knight Motel in Liverpool for the siege mentality. Oh, that'd be They're taking over oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Bellamy would love that, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then maybe catch the drive-in down there. So not all Birmingham. No, no, I think I think Sydney is just a it's. Smoke That's where the action is. It's well, because you know train. what happened last time. I tried to go to Albury Wodonga and the council voted them yeah. out. So, look, as as one of our graces said, if you know if you're not living in Sydney, you're not you're not li- truly living, correct? It's a holding pen. Yeah. As soon as Palaszczuk throws open the borders, yes. they're saying the storms might play a game for the faithful up at the Sunshine Coast where their feeder team is. Mm. They are the new Brisbane team. It's the Brisbane Storms Uh, and the AFL stronghold of Melbourne is one. And let's face it, there will be no economic activity from outside Victoria in the next five years. They've lost the COVID war and we're good on Berejiklian for getting us the hell out of there. So will they be called the Melbourne Storm playing outside of of Queensland? No. No, they just changed the name. Can you imagine the the poetry, the art of the sunshine storms? Yes. Because that's Queensland. That is. That's what it is. We watch the lightning crack over the cane fields. That's Queensland. The sunshine storms. Okay. So not six games in Melbourne, six games in the the sunshine. No. Beautiful one day, natural disaster. And you mentioned, if I could go back, you mentioned that the the love of Gus Gould from uh, the Overlord. Yes. We, We might have all seen Gus Gould's article on the weekend, things that he would change about rugby league, and gee whiz, that was riveting, wasn't it? It just kept going. I kept scrolling and so I say, Isn't he has he said that already? Has he said that already? You know, I always sorry, sorry, Patrick, he's inventing a new game effectively, of course, he is, and he's been waiting forever for it, and he was always right. You know, I I always thought checkbook checkbook journalism was where you paid money to get people to give interviews, but apparently, checkbook journalism would just say, I have an open checkbook and this is what I would do, and that was the Gould mantra. And it was, I I think he's paying people to listen to him without. He's an ideas factory, yeah. and when pressed by no greater a scribe than Danny Weidler, yeah. who's, who actually um, liked Vossi's tweet about Fire Up last week, so hello, Danny. We've uh, <laughs> always loved Danny Weidler. You know that. Since 2004 on FBI. He, he, he asked the searching question to uh, Peter Volandis, when is Gus Gould going to be appointed head of football operations for the NRL? And he goes, yeah. well, I can't talk about that. It's uh, commercial incompetence. Right, right. Wow. Abdo's sweating. Gould then some, said something about Danny Weiler, what are you doing? I'll take you out of the car park, but we don't. The car park. We don't advocate violence on this show. <laughs> this is my favourite piece of Gus Gould's poetry recently. Hates everyone, hates the world, angry man. Who's he talking about? 
And who Ricky wrote that? Stewart. Oh, that's Ricky Stewart. Cool. Isn't, Ricky that, Stewart. But isn't, that, isn't that beautiful poetry? Yeah. It's haiku. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting for me is we haven't heard from the last days of Greenberg to the first days of Abdo, we haven't heard a word from the CEO in... Didn't eight, he appear, eight or ten he weeks? Yeah. Somewhere he appeared on a TV show. Or, oh, he appeared on Q and A. He was on Q and A last week. ABC. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. That was the first but, time I'd seen but, him in action. But there's no league fans watching that. I'm, no. <laughs> I'm talking for the great unwashed. We haven't seen him. No. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Who does watch it? They had they had Shani Layton, Brendan Gale, and Tracy Holmes. You're right. No rugby league fans. Yeah. Watching it. Nada. <laughs> So we haven't heard. So Volanders may be continuing on, and we just don't know where he lands. Is he Lee Kuan Yew, benevolent dictator, or Kim Jong Un? Mm. So is he still officially interim? Is he Abdo? Abdo, yes. Abdo is interim. Yep. Volanders is chair, yeah. but he says, you know, you'll see me disappear in the crisis. I do feel that this is a fairly straightforward Mandrake, play. Mandrake, the magician style. F- fairly straightforward play that he's read the tea leaves. Australia will be a republic, and he will be our first president. You've, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it, it's be, a logical step. It's yeah. yeah. the career path is yeah. linear, but. There's, but like I'm, I'm actually just started watching the Clinton affair. But to be that, do you need sorry, do you need the approval of all the states? Do you need Victoria, West Australia, Queensland well, to be loved by all? Well, I just watched Mrs. America about the ratification yes. of the RA, and they didn't need all the states to ratify that, and they did no. never ratify that. No. So I think as long as you've got, got Palaszczuk and Berejiklian yeah. on side, yeah. it's politics. Throw in Tasmania. Anyone can name the Premier of Tasmania. Go yep. to the head of the class. Yep. Right. Dennis is searching his mind. <laughs> yeah. So so he wants to be president. It's Captain Motor, isn't it? But I'm watching the Clinton affair, and it's not looking good for Bill in this documentary. <laughs> Presidents appear to be corrupt in some way, shape, or form. And I'm not saying that Peter Volandis is corrupt. All right. But simply, he is, despite some commentary that it was a combination of the likes of Annesley and Pierce, who came up with the six tackle set restart yeah. rule. The cat. Yeah. Roy Masters has revealed in the paper today that there's a ever-increasing gap between the haves and the have-nots and the roosters, you know, at the head of the queue. Mm. He's basically said that this six-set restart, restart rule has basically guaranteed the roosters a third premiership. We've pointed out for some time, you know, home is where the heart is, both Peter Volandis and Nick Pilatus. Kithra. 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 It's a Greek cabal... A conspiracy theory. Peter Landy says, Nick, I will give you a third premiership by changing the rules capriciously mid-competition overnight. Is that a Greek word? In exchange for your support <laughs> and a company car right. as the first president of the Republic of Australia. A jet? And then you know what's happened? Yeah. Private jet. Private exactly. Jet. Nick, again, Politis, uh, sorry. Nick has gone. Volandis was on I'll TV last your, night. Saying, I see your car. I'll raise you a jet. <laughs> he says, what we've got to do in rugby league is we've got to maximise the financial uh, flexibility of the clubs and we have to buy income generating assets. Yeah. Well, the only asset he's talked about buying is a jet. Yes. Which will be of no use to these clubs because you don't need to get to Melbourne anymore. Mm. He'll take it off the hands of the NRL for a song, mm. put his head... Face on it. Yes. It's, it's, what do they call it? Air Force One. Yeah. Well, like Elvis, TCB. <laughs> but didn't he make, isn't he got an offer fishing out for Super League in England at yes. the moment? Yes, yes. Uh, that, that's on the, 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 the Gould, again, the, says you've got to go in, get buy Super League. Yeah. Is that, is that what James Graham's doing? He's in a mystery? <laughs> he's, <absolutely, laughs> he's the new NRL ambassador to the Super League. Sh- Sweetie the Feathers over there. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty good talker. Because let's face it. Gould and Volandis ring up and say, James, look, you're playing with the Dragons, they're going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. We've Their got a job done. for you. We've got something more. <laughs> You've got skills, buddy. Future of the game. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, you're giving me a sense of purpose. Yes. And off he goes. He's certainly got a diplomatic ear, hasn't he? Oh, terrific. Yeah. Because 
he'll be able to go and negotiate with Super League yeah. and he won't get into any finger pointing because he'll just have the crook knuckle. <laughs> and, and the, and the, the, English, the English will appreciate course, that. You're yeah. one of us. Our boy's coming home. Yeah, look, He's representing what we... Yeah. Okay, we'll deal with it. Yeah, but you, we love you, James. Let's do it. It'd be like one of those peppercorn deals. Like they'll sell the Super League NRL <laughs> for a pound, and we're on our way. You're right, though, Chris. This uh, set restart. I pre- I still prefer six again. Uh, to the there's name. something just the name. The name, yes. Yep. It's, it's something fishy about it. Uh, given the first one, we noted that you cannot find any information. There's no data, statistics, nothing anywhere on any of the sites. You say that they do it live on the run on Fox Sport. Uh, if you don't happen to watch that, or if you don't get your pen and paper out and make a note of it... Again, the conspiracy, you have to pay Rupert. If you're not paying Rupert, you can't see it. Exactly. If you want to see so the set restart numbers... And no post record. No, You can't look it up anywhere and find out who are the beneficiaries of this call. Fox Fox does it on the run when it suits No, they them. don't post those. No, they don't. Yeah. And then when, you know, and again, I don't say Channel 9 are apologists yeah. for the NRL. It's a game of stats, land. right? It's a game of analytics, but they data. Talk, they talk about rule changes since... since Round three, yes. the balls in play more, there are more possessions. But they said penalties have dropped from 14 to 10, yeah. and they don't mention any statistics about the set restarts. I think only, the... inf- only information that supports the regime will be released. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, this is As, true speak. Is this not the called? biggest change in rugby league for what, a... 40 years? Someone said since unlimited tackle. What do you think? I'd have to say it has... Completely changed the game, and just seeing mm. Melbourne Storms jujitsu trainer on JobKeeper. Yeah, <laughs> that's enough. That's enough for me. That was, that was a telltale sign. <laughs> and who would you say, Dennis, are the beneficiaries of this six again at this point in time? Well, it, it seems from the hidden. If, if we could see the statistics, yes. But your um, gut instinct. You're there at the game. You are there at the game watching. Uh, beneficiaries, the politis. What Just the politest mob. The, uh, the roosters, yes. Yeah. The, the, the kithera roosters. The kithera roosters. <laughs> I, always, I like to watch trends, and certainly one of the most overused words in the lexicon of rugby league commentators at the moment is resilient. Everyone's resilient, and Ooh, how's like their that. resilience? You know what I hate, Agile. Uh, I told you that. <laughs> nimble. <laughs> nimble. Yeah. Um, You've got to be nimble in COVID. Pivot. 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 I'm pivoted. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I said that one day and that another day. Have we forgotten unprecedented? Oh, uh, uncharted, uncharted waters. waters. <laughs> the new normal. Oh, no. Kill me now. But the, the, the new expression that everyone's battling for is to try and put the label on have most benefited from the six again rule, right? Yeah. yeah. And seriously, one of the luminaries at Fox on the weekend said, there's no doubt in my mind the person who's most benefited from the new rule is Jake Friend. Jake Friends personally benefited. Hang on, hang personally on. benefited but he, most. And he's a Kitha Rooster? Yes. yes. But okay. I, I'd accept Teddy Tedesco because he yes. seems to be running channels, etc. But I don't see Jake Friend as a speedster Damien Cook style. Chris, Chris, is it, that's ex- well, okay. He is a dummy half player. They're the ones that should benefit, correct? Damien Cook style. He's a dud slow dummy half player. He's By a dud Damien Cook, I'll give you that. <laughs> By the way, while we're on Damien Cook. Yeah. Um, this is something you may not know, but do you know he's a former beach sprinter? Is that right? <laughs> he's pretty no. fast off the spot, is he? <laughs> but we were talking, I've speaking so of much Jake Friend, yeah. we, we, we talk about real rule changes yeah. we want to, and we talk about discipline in the modern game. What annoys yeah. you about Jake Friend? Well, I, I get obsessed, as you know, Chris, and certain things really start to bug me. They get under my skin, they irritate me, and one of those is the, the dummy half salute. Can anybody see that on television, right? And like, oh, come on, ref. And, and obviously it's the penalty puller. That's the action. The charade is, didn't you see what they're doing? They're slowing us down. Uh, and okay, now, that, That's the statistic you want. Not just, that's what you not want. Not just the six against. Yeah. The not Jake just friend. the penalties, but the ratio, the success rate of 
flapping yeah. arms yeah, to I, penalty draw. We call it the slow the tackle, two arms in the air frustration gesture. Yes. Yeah, so, so how many of those are done and how many penalties are earned? And he's not just a master. I don't think he can help the damn thing. He just, he's just automatic. It's automatic. It's automatic. It's automatic. Uh, you, the thing is, you know, he, he's actually born Raiders fan. He just wants to <laughs> He can't help himself. It's the clap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, would you agree with me? Well, Robbie Farrow, his statistic is 0%. He's pretty good. Yeah, he? he never got it. And there's, again, Roy Masters is suggesting now referees in this new rule where mm. they seem to be able to do things on the run and randomly are like choreographers. And to them, I think what they see, and I... I, I I'm, would I, you say Graham Murphy or would you... Where would you go with this? I'm, I'm a more a Robert Helpman guy. I would Robert Helpman, you're yeah. old school, are you? Yeah. <laughs> On the run, though, choreographers Sorry. normally plan things. That's what a choreography <laughs> is planned. Yes. Yeah, but this so you're is saying they this is modern dance. They're Dennis. adapting. They're being agile. Yeah. This they're, is kinetic. They're pivoting. Yeah, pivoting. And they're adapting. But, but they're, they're very nimble. But they're there adapting are, the choreography there, there as they go. Choreographed elements into it, right? In other words, the referee understands if they've done a couple of set restarts and yeah. they don't call it, yeah. they'll get. Yeah. Because like, you, you, like you get, you get the, like the like the captain and coach, you get the choreographer dancer, the and they're doing freestyle jazz, and they're on the run re, rebooting the choreography. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> you don't tell me the Sutton brothers aren't planning this every like weekend. Yeah. Jake, jazz hands friend. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great name yes. for him. If, if, if anyone's enjoying the, 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 the death of the block play, it's the referees. But I throw down the gauntlet now to the overlord to declare transparency on these numbers and who's benefiting, because I do believe watching the game of the night with para. I'm not a para fan. I generally, who is? If any of you want to win some money in rugby league, ring me before a game and say, who are you actually hoping wins? And you don't put your money on them. All right? Because I always go for the underdog. <laughs> so I went for para the other night. Okay. Now, I will have who to say. Who did you go for, Raiders Manly? Uh, I went for Manly. Fuck you. <laughs> I didn't like Canberra last year. I switched and fiddled. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But having said that, if, for example, the Roosters were playing Melbourne, I would go for the Roosters because I don't like Melbourne. Yep. Now we all get we all play those sort of instinctive yep, yep, things. Yep, yep, yep. So I was watching the other night and thinking, yes, the Roosters are very good, very very good. They're very fast, they're very confident. They don't drop balls. They virtually are perfect all the way. But I would say to you that like the penalty that allows the try to occur, if you get the penalty and you get the set restart, you're home and hose. And I do believe that the Roosters were the beneficiary on last week's game, and therefore Parramatta were just hanging in there by their life. The the, the change in the rules. Am the... I wrong here? Am I biased? I think you're biased towards the underdog, which is yes, a humanitarian approach a rugby to rugby league. league. Right? Yes, yes. That's, <laughs> the game was forged for underdogs, so you're in alignment with the original 22-minute Huddersfield. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Patrick, you're suggesting that Stephen is a communist up against the fascist regime of the NRL, which controls information, information of ministry yeah. style. And then you've got the ultimate capitalist beast, yeah. which is Politis Machine. Which is the rooster. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, right. it's really Hegel's dialectic writ large <laughs> yet again. 20, 21st century counting, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Tearing down the statues. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that, look, I, 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 you guys want to get Dally M? You want to take him down? <laughs> Huh? Anybody? Anybody? I was going to say, I'll lead the charge on Wally Lewis, which <laughs> yeah. might take us to the next section we'll discuss yeah. Austin Philippa. Don't you mean Boyd Corder's got a statue there, has he? <laughs> Not yet. Because I bet it doesn't talk. <laughs> Smoking Joe Kilroy, he's safe. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it's got a big cleft in the chin, that one of Boyd. Yes, I know. <laughs> it took him weeks. <laughs> I think that's it. Let's have a break now. Let's we'll come back and break. talk about the big O with our, our very special guest, Patrick, in just a moment. Here's Kiri to Benua. He's lost the ball. Parramatta come up with it. And yes, no advantage. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's all. It's all here. It's very raw. Who knew Tupanua could speak French? 
I'll tell you what he is, Joey. He's a real man. That's that's the thing. Adam Fanua Blake is a real man. It's the best way to describe him. Oh. Uh, the quiet Australians have uh, had a little quiet word in our ear and they said enough from you guys. Let's hear somebody who knows about rugby league. And uh, Patrick Skeen is here with us. He's going to talk about the big O. Uh, Chris, would you like to kick off the first question? Certainly. Patrick, it's so unusual for us to have authors in the Fire Up universe because none of us have even written in, you know, like a pamphlet, I think, on anything. Oh, yeah, I've written a, a, like a DL size. Yeah, right. <laughs> Press releases are hard, Chris. You're the, you're the, you're the, you're the oral tradition. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the book is the big O, Pacific Revolution Pioneer. First of all, did you consider calling it the story of O at any particular point in time? No, I'm old enough to <laughs> remember that. And the, re and the reading market is old enough to remember that, and we yes. don't want to distract from the core issues. It's about the great Olsen Filipana, but before we dive in, tell us a bit about yourself. Is this your first book? What's your background? What's your connection to rugby league? Always been a rugby league fan, was uh, brought up on the hill at Leichhardt Oval. Yes. My, my grandmother lived in Lilyfield, so walking down there, buying a hot dog, being part of the tribe. You can't pull that out of your DNA, can you? No. no. What's, what's the no. name of the guy? Hot doggy, get your hot doggy. I love him. Yeah, 42 years he's been down Unbelievable. there. Unbelievable. 42 years. And that just represented a continuity piece for myself and my father. And I used to, I remember sliding on a cardboard box down the back of the hill there. It was <laughs> lovely. Um, it was amazing. And, and also. What years are we talking here? Uh, we're talking 81 yeah. to 80, 80, 85. Okay, yeah. Then he got too big for the cardboard. Yes, yes. Then, then I went straight, to go, went straight to catch and kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Always slowed down uh, strategically. And then finding the half empty bottles of beer. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to jump in because I've only had the opportunity to read the first part of the book. And I did love that the air was larded. With the, smell of, soft, yes. with the yes. smell of hot dogs. You're talking about hot, hot doggies. Yeah. I, have never heard, I have never heard of air being lard. Like, I understand you lard your pan or you might lard yeah. but The idea of air being lard, this is literally genius. Where mm. does this come from? Raymond Chandler. Ah. <laughs> I had to read him in school and yeah. once said the air was larded with the smell of cloying orchids. Whoa. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's oh, yeah, take hot dogs. Like that that one. The little things you remember from high school. <laughs> to Raymond's publisher. I, I just read Gal's autobiography and I think he said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I could be mistaken. He was larding a different part of his body. <laughs> <laughs> and so, rugby league fan and yep. then... What's been your involvement in the game? Always been a rugby league fan and uh, started writing for The Guardian in 2014. A classic rugby league rag, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly in England it is. In England, it, right, it originated yeah. in Manchester right in the heart of rugby league country. Oh, so right. it's always had a little soft spot for league as uh, a, a northern rag. Right. But you wrote for the Australian Australian version, ver ver version yes. of the Guardian, um, and I was uh, there's a segment called the Forgotten Stories. Uh, so you didn't hide your love, your secret? No, no, no. I, was, <laughs> I was out with it. But I wrote on rugby union. I wrote on a whole range of, of different sports. <laughs> Who's interesting in rugby union? It's what, what? Uh, uh, Cecil Romali is the first Aboriginal Wallaby. Ah. Right. Uh, 1938. Great who, name, Cecil. Uh, who was 20 years old, weighed 66 kilos. Played two tests against the All Blacks, got knocked out twice from a place oh, wow. called Mungandai, half Punjabi, half Aboriginal. So it's, wow. it's all the diversity that's ever had in wow. rugby union. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we doff our hat to rugby sure union. And, and how's this for, 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 for a funny story? I went on to rugby.com.au 
and they've always been celebrating Lloyd McDermott as their first mm-hmm. Aboriginal Wallaby. So right. my article had to correct the record. Right. And there's not that many Aboriginals that played good, rugby. I bet. You think they could get them right? Well, <laughs> well, I, I would have said Lloyd McDermott, and yep. and then this, I guess with Andrew Walker, Kurtley Beale. Hang on, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have that knowledge. <laughs> oh, <so. well. laughs> but one of the uh, I've been a, a listener for many years, and I very much enjoy the wax you guys give. Rugby union, it gave me p- permission to pile in. And I've always said, well, right. we, we often you, say that. Did you just imply long time listener, first time visitor? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. And uh, yes, look, look our, our greatest ever guest, of course, was uh, Peter Fitzsimons. <laughs> yep. As we all recall, beautifully proceeded to order his bacon and eggs or his toast and sandwich whilst he was not really doing an interview at all and couldn't even remember what he was talking to or who he was talking to. I, I was a listener at that particular phase of the show and he was in a cafe and you just hear, yeah, yeah, Vegemite, thanks. Not too much butter. And then he'd go back to it. you just go... What are you guys here? Who, what? what? Yeah. You know. <laughs> he, he's thanks, actually sir. a massive fan of rugby league. And I came across my desk a few weeks ago, um, a player profile from when he played for the Manly Marlins, hadn't even started playing for the Wallabies. And his favourite TV show, when they list all the various things, his favourite TV show was ABC Rugby League Match of the Day. Yeah. So he's always loved rugby league. Like all rugby union, their secret favourite love is but rugby you, league. You say he was an Alan Marks Thing. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes, yes. John he, O'Reilly. He's part of that North Shore, keep yes. it on the down yeah. low, yeah. after five wines, yeah. as sheepishly admit. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're a Les Kiss fan. You, you, I'm telling you, you're not going to write a biography of Peter Fitzsimons called Australian Rugby League Pioneer, are you, Patrick? No, no. <laughs> so it, let's look at, at the subject. Is this your first book? Yes. Yeah. Olsen Filipana, why Olsen? Olsen, I believe, is the best way to tell the story of the Pacific Revolution, uh, which started when Olsen, when Olsen joined the New South Wales Rugby League at the what time. What year are we talking now? 1980. Okay. There were four players. We were five years out of the white Australia policy. Wow. Yeah. There was no diversity. Surprisingly, Balmain was the multicultural team. Yep. It had Serbians, Aboriginal, yeah, Maori. That sort of makes sense, though. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it, it was it, 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 he joined the most multicultural team and they had the first black backline as they, they called it where Percy Knight would give it out to Olsen who would give it out to uh, or Lloyd Martin who'd then give it out to Olsen who was playing inside centre and then Larry Coral would come in so Is the curve of uh, Polynesian players still rising? The prediction is by looking at junior reps that it will be 60% by 2027 And what is wow. it now? 48. 48%. Wow. And okay. And plus, 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 well, plus Indigenous now at 60% yeah. of the total player, our re- player base is regional Indigenous. What's the future for the Rangers? The future of the Rangers are quotas. Yeah, quotas. <laughs> <laughs> and country footy and Canberra style importing the Poms. <laughs> can, can I say, D- Dennis's great mate, uh, Corey Horsborough, who missed oh, last week's game God. against the Tigers because he ate six-day-old sausages. <laughs> it's another. It's, it's the unseen impact of the COVID impact as nutrition <laughs> practices of rugby league players. He has red hair. So Corey Parker, of course, described him on the weekend in the Manly game as a firebrand. Firebrand. Yeah, yeah. That nice way to put it. Uh-huh. So... so Touching on that, he came to Balmain. He's one of four Polynesian players in the league. Why did he come to Balmain? He didn't want to come to Balmain at all. He didn't want to come to Australia. On the on 1978 tour, he had come here and starred for New Zealand but heard a lot of racism. Uh-huh. 
one comment he said to me was people talk to you and say things as if you don't understand like english was his second language right. and he found that casual racism very insulting wow loved being in new zealand yeah. loved being by his mother's side he's a, his mum sounds fantastic the, fir the first of the of of the rugby league mummies boys yeah. <laughs> and there's one one mention in there of the, there's still a warriors player who sleeps in the same bedroom as his as his grandmother yeah and he's not teased about it all sure. the other players are quite jealous and that's yeah. just a, a yeah. little uh, example of cultural contrast yeah yeah, yeah. okay and so, but it was like in order to write, earn money for his family, that was the opportunity. Was that how to? He'd he'd gotten too big for the Fox Memorial Cup in New Zealand. Right. He right. he had terrorised them for. But were there bids for his talent? Since nineteen seventy eight, there had been every year people. So um, the numbers were rising. Keith Giddos from the Balmain Tigers yeah. went across yeah. to New Zealand and met Enticing. his mother eyeball to eyeball, which is the Maori way. Yeah. And that impressed the parents so much. Okay. That they decided to go across. Mm. And any, also, sorry. Do any other members of the family come with him? No. No. Okay. No. Even and even his girlfriend. With the, she stayed there yeah. for the first year, year and a half. She stayed so in. Probably New Zealand. difficult time. Terrible time for yeah. him. He suffered yeah. uh, the first year under Dennis Tuddy. He had a great time because mm. Dennis Tuddy, interestingly enough, used to go to New Zealand in the off season to work in the meatworks, some holiday. <laughs> well, it's extra cash. Because in the meatworks, they the used Taranaki? to feed them massive meals and Dennis Tuddy would go over there to put on weight. Oh. And Artie Beetson <laughs> would go there to put on weight. They, the, Tuddy and Beetson were, were, were friends. Gee, that sells rugby league, doesn't it? Nothing else does. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Tuddy is another discussion. He's such a hero. Oh. Uh, but what you're alluding to there, of course, I think then Frank Stanton became coach. And talk a little bit about that because I found it – uncomfortable reading as a Balmain supporter about as you referred to the casual racism which would be um, you would you would imagine crowd opponents but potentially almost within the team within the team um, reserve graders would try and injure Olsen at training there was one time and legal had to remove this from the book but an Australian international well no one's listening to this so. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one bit they yeah. might listen to <laughs> <laughs> An Australian international, um, Olsen and his partner outside the change rooms, and he heard them yell out, who does this black sea think he is taking one of our spots? Cool. So there was a real feeling of almost like foreign workers coming in to take Aussie jobs back then. It was, wow. it was incredibly parochial. And it, as a contrast to that, he had Wayne Wiggum and Blocker Roach and Wayne Pierce, who were best mates and never said a bad word to him and, and provided a layer of protection for him. So Did it bring up aggression in him? It would go two ways. They said sometimes people would say racist stuff to him on the field and Frank Stanton uh, joked one time that maybe we should pay someone to say something right. racist to Olsen to fire him up <laughs> because sometimes he would get – and sometimes they said his body language was, would just slump. Yeah. Something we didn't really know then that we know now is to insult a Polynesian – either messing up their name really badly or uh, racism. It really, it really wounds them. In a deep way, it's like insulting your grandparents, and yes, it's, yes. It's, there's a whole. We are so immune from um, from abuse here. It's just yeah. a, it's just such a stock standard part of Australian culture. Because I noticed, I, I, I like I said, I haven't read the book. I'm going to, and so should you. Um, but I heard him interviewed. I heard Olsen interviewed on ABC Grandstand, um, and he was saying that that was he used to cop it from the crowd so much, and that he was famous for having those massive quads. These yeah. were the biggest quads I think that, that have been in league. Um, and he was a toe poker, and he chose to, to to take one step to kick the goals, whereas most people, you know, that was very unstandard. He could because of his strength, but he did it because it gave the crowd less opportunity to yell racist abuse right. at him. To abuse him. And yeah. that's why he chose it. Yep. And, and he, he said, if, if someone gave me racist abuse, 
never bite back, never do anything. Just look them in the eye. When they turn around, look at their number, hit them real hard next time. Can I just say that though, going back in time in Australia, it was a standard practice for everybody to have a crack at everybody. Yeah. Like it was a toughening up. It was a sort of show that you, you're a man and, you know, it, regardless whether you're, you know, Irish Catholic or, or Proddy or if you were uh, Indigenous or whatever, that, that, that was a general consensus that you could have a go and you weren't showing disrespect. You are just being mutually disrespectful as such. And it was a standard practice. I think it's a different culture, wasn't it? I think there's there's part of that and there's part of not knowing. You would say whatever. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but you, you would say whatever. But whatever you had to put your opponent off. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way it was. Right. And we have a, a quite a vindictive culture like that. And that's mm. one thing I've loved that the Polynesians have brought to the game and the Melanesians is it's played with a smile. The love-ins that happen after games would yeah. never have happened. Yeah, yeah. In, in the, there was no chance of COVID catching COVID after a game right. in the old days. It was <laughs> like I'll see you behind the sheds and aggro. Except the showers, maybe. I mean, if, if you'd said to <laughs> hard, communal baths, <laughs> if, if you'd said to hardcore fans thirty years ago that rugby league opposing players will be holding hands and singing songs, looking at each other's would... eyes. Yes, I'm not mm. sure how Noel Kelly would have taken that. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of takes into the, the sort of the. I mean, as I said, I was uncomfortable as a Balmain supporter. To, come to a realisation how widespread it is. And, you know, it was easy to be oblivious to it to a degree. I, I'll tell you uncomfortable is having to call Frank Stanton on the phone well, and go through some of these uh, accusations yeah. that came his way, which yeah. he flat he flat batted everything as you would expect. And, and, and we, I had a chance to chat to Patrick about the book after I read it, and I hope you don't mind me saying, but you said you were wondering about how the, the book reflected for Frank. And, and I said, look, I think he's quoted extensively. I think he had a, a really good opportunity to respond. But on the football side, I think you suggest he was more emblematic of a broader issue that people, that there's, a, there's a cliche about Olsen, that he put on the Kiwi jumper and he grew a leg, right? Now, in Craig Yarn's case with the Australian jumper, that was a fact, right? But, um, <laughs> but in relation to Olsen, your thesis is, is it was that he was allowed to play the way he could play that he was had a coach in Graham Lowe who understood how to coach Olsen and that the Sydney-based coaches were all about structure. In other words, you take all your talent and you put them into your mould rather than building something out of the variety of talents that you have. Is that sort of kind of fair? It's the one-size-fits-all. Yeah. So the Australian coaches, it's it goes deeper to our why is Australia different to England and other countries is it's an egalitarian country. If you try and hop in front of the line at an airport or mm. a pool, mm. yeah. at a pool table or a taxi queue, yeah. you are guaranteed a broken nose. Yeah. Mouth splash. And in this country, no one gets special treatment. That was the Australian way. So we're coming out of that 75 years of that um, to now it's personalised man management. Everybody has something customised. They're treated like assets. Yeah. Can I also bring in the fact that uh, earlier than that, that period, that when players had to play for their region, and the tribalism was really, really rife, and that suddenly an outsider's coming in, uh, you can understand why perhaps they were viewed as, as a gun for hire and what are you doing here type thing. Uh, and I personally, for many years, hated the fact that teams would get on like mates after a game when I expected them to hate mm. the other team like I hated the other team. Why would you betray me as a fan, is, is the point of view? We're talking... Australia was emotionally constipated at the time. I mean, this book is Me about... Me too. It's about... Yeah. <laughs> Still. <Yeah. laughs> it hasn't changed. <laughs> well, you should see him watch a Melbourne game. Yeah. <laughs> we That's drive like, home. That's like sets for you. Yeah. Um, we were all outside the great Jack Gibson. They say great Jack Gibson was the true pl player ahead of his... Uh, true coach ahead of his time. Um, that mean coach said it all. Yep. But, yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> And it, it was... A time when Australian coaches, now it's about mutual disclosure sections, bonding, crying, mm. 
that was unheard of back in the day, but that's what Graham Lowe would use to bring out the best of the Kiwi players. He would get them all get, to get up and talk about their fears, um, encouraging them to cry if they won. And that's um, something that bonded these players because you get five, from, play, five Kiwis would be playing in England, five would be playing in New Zealand on long grass paddocks and five would be down here. He'd have 10 days to blend them together mm. and he'd be able to do that. But Australian coaches wouldn't do that. The enigma side of it, I've been through every uh, big league and rugby league week from 1978 to 1990, every single one, week after week, reading every match report for research for this, hundreds of hours. Mm. And Olsen got dropped. I found out Olsen got dropped on many times. It wasn't for form. He had very stubborn coaches who said, you didn't wear the polo or one famous uh, day on Easter Monday, 1983, where he turned up for uh, the game at Cogra Oval 10 minutes before the game started, still in his Garbo gear. <laughs> and Frank Stanton was just trying to introduce the new um, you know, polo and everyone looked professional. And he said, where have you been, Olsen? And he said, uh, I was on the Garbo run. Today we get triple time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a, you know, for him, it, it was more money to send back to his yeah, uh, family yeah, than yeah. he was going to earn. So, and, and that is one of the big traits, isn't it? That the money goes, particularly with the Pacific Islanders, the money goes back to the family, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's the saddest part of the story that all of the Olsen's money that he sent back, and Gary Freeman once joked that he only ever saw Olsen in one pair of shorts and he never bought new clothes. Every single cent he could wow. save would go. He loved his mother so yeah. much, but the money would go back through the father. The father had a gambling hop, habit oh, and, no. and squandered mm. every cent of it. So yeah. Olsen is held up now as the cautionary tale yeah. of the guy that earned pretty good money during his career mm. and this Polynesian system extended family system where the money is evenly distributed amongst the family it is a really beautiful working form of socialism yeah. and they always joke that there's not a single homeless person in summer yeah. or hungry person not in too dissimilar to say like Mundine has spent most of his boxing profits on the brothers yep. the sisters the cousins the families yep, the family yeah. but if you have one yeah. chink in the armour yeah. one, yeah. one, yeah. one, one part of the chain can let everybody down yeah. and that was the case with uh, Olsen's father and that's quite sad so I'm 50-50 partners with Olsen in the book mm. and he's going to get uh, hopefully a, a nice little check right we're going to plug it at, at oh 100% we are <laughs> and we'll, 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 we'll put up stuff, uh, information on our Facebook page mm. and uh, we'll some, tweet some of this vision and things uh, a, a couple of other things, uh, stories from Olsen. I mean, we love a, a story against the Roosters. Um, can you just quickly take us through when Olsen was encouraged to join the Eastern Suburbs Roosters? Well, it's a, a, there's a whole chapter on that. Olsen got to the end of his Balmain time, times where he played quite a bit in reserve grade in his, in his final year in 1984. And there was a bidding war between Jack Gibson, who was coaching Cronulla, who always wanted to get his hands on Olsen. He tried when he was uh, a... a, a coach of Parramatta he was trying again as coach of Cronulla and they had agreed terms but he, they were slow in sending Olsen a contract and Artie Beetson came in uh, with an offer so Olsen got asked Olsen and his partner were uh, taken to the very plush eastern suburbs uh, rugby. Olsen talks about the leather couches on the top floor like, no, 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 no secret cafe somewhere just yeah. the foyer yeah. <laughs> no long hair allowed at the time which yeah. who was that was that Ron Jones who used to have the yep. the ban on the hair over the collar yep <laughs> Russell Fairfax and Ian Schubert were beside themselves yeah. it, was, it was 10 kilometres away from the old Balmain leagues but mm. uh, demographically 10,000 <laughs> miles, 10, miles. Yeah. <laughs> and he got up there and Ron Jones must have um, must must have known uh, some of the uh, complex parts of Polynesian culture because he produced fifteen thousand dollars in cash and put them took Olsen into the office and put the money counter that counted it all out. Mm. And Olsen said to a Polynesian sending money home that was intoxicating. I seeing, bet. Seeing well, that's that a bit of a low shot, is it? And he what, said, "What year was this?" And it is eighty uh, late eighty four, early eighty five. Yeah. So fifteen grand's a lot of money. 
you could buy a house in Ride where he bought um, f for seventy thousand dollars, and yeah. his contract was thirty five. So he was on for one year salary, and they were paying double what Cronulla was paying. Wow, uh, for a, for a one year contract, and you know Olsen got offered an armed escort down to the car park mm. and uh, sent most of that home. Wow. Um, it's. Well. It's an extraordinary book. I, I, I love the fact that you sort of resolve it around that he is the galloping Garbo. And he is Sydney's longest serving garbage worker, correct? He is. There's no one uh, been serving longer than Olsen. He's Where is he living now, Patrick? He's living in Balkham Hills. Okay. So what happened to the family over a period of time? Partners, brothers, sisters, cousins, did they come and join or was there any repatriation, so to speak? All family stayed in New Zealand except yep. for Leslie, his amazing partner who, mm -hmm. who's been there through thick and thin. Yep. He's got three kids. Mm. Uh, one, sadly, John gets out from Silverwater, or happily gets yeah. out, get, yep. gets out, yeah. gets out of Silverwater. And yeah. John was quite a promising young footballer. But yeah. I went into Silverwater Jail to interview John for the book. Wow, first and, time uh, that I can speak of. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember my time there. <laughs> I once had a long holiday. In there. <laughs> first time was a visitor. <laughs> yeah. the, the, uh, first time not wearing green. <laughs> They're, they're great stories about Olsen's family, particularly his mother. That you pile on a rugby union, which makes the Empire in Star Wars look like the good guys, <laughs> the, the sport of rugby union. You know, the 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 the, the Anglo-Saxon farmer. No wonder I hate rugby union. Um, I also love that it's probably the first book I've read that sort of quotes authoritatively from the one-eyed tiger who writes the column in it's the Inner Western Weekly Times. He is one of my favourite writers of all time. The longest-serving league journo. <laughs> And his use of cliche is magnificent. <laughs> but, um, and he's a constant reminder of how funny rugby league is. Yeah. The fact this show exists and mm -hmm. it provides humour. I mean, yeah. you, you have to go a long way to find anything funny in the A-League. Yeah. Or and anything funny in rugby union. You know, the, 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 that is of the humour that's dished up daily yeah. in, in rugby league. And he, the one-eyed tiger had so much to work with and uh, he, he was the, he's the rugby league writer mm. for the, the Weekly Times that services the ride the right district, and he has been the happiest man that this book has been written. Fantastic, yeah. What do you want to come from the book is, is sort of in wrap-up? What what do you hope to – because it's a tremendous story. It, it, it speaks to very much where the Pacifica community is going in rugby league and, and the, their role in the modern game. What is the legacy of the book that you'd like to leave us with? Two things I'd like to correct or put an argument forward that Olsen was a much better player than he is given credit for in the New South Wales Rugby League. A lot of people said he was a dud. The, the record tells a very different story. When he actually played first grade, he was devastating. Mm. Um, the enigma, I'd like to kill that off. That's a lazy word and a very suffocating narrative because you never have to think about someone again. And you, mm -hmm. You're seeing it right now with the rocks and diamonds stuff that's leveled at Latrell, Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. On the other side is an understanding of this group that has completely upended our game that we love. They're not going anywhere. And the yeah. more we understand them... Um, empathy is the vaccine to racism. Mm. It's very, very important. And if we understand this new group, we can actually celebrate it because International Rugby League, through this through this group of players, we can have a World Cup in maybe 2029 where we can genuinely have six teams that can win. And we, we our game has suffered with State of Origin being the premier form of the game and everything being subordinate to that because it's, it's perverted some decisions of players that would actually pay yeah. for their grandparents' mm -hmm. countries yeah. and bring so much pride. I look at the, what has gone on with Tonga, Fiji. Uh, so what, what sort of format would you like to see as far as uh, international game 
sort of situations? Well, just the fact we have 16 teams for this World Cup is, yep. is fantastic. Tonga, for the first time, a Pacific team is heading a pool. Yep. So they're not just, it's not a group of death for every outing for those guys. Yeah, they always yeah. shove the Pacific teams together, which is great to watch a 500-year-old blood feud playing out <laughs> on the rugby league field in, in, in front of us. But it's, it's not mm. good for the game because everyone gets the saloon passage against France or yeah. Ireland yeah. Or, <laughs> and these guys thrash each other. But I'd just like, um, because the, the joke's always been that it's two provinces in England, uh, a couple of towns in France, two states here and South Auckland yes. is the international game. New York City. And it's, well, it's spreading, the Wolfpack. Uh, I've got my Wolfpack uh, polo coming yeah. in the mail. Hello, Steve Mastro. Trapped at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> right. I check the tracking every day and it's not moving, but it's coming. Great. So, so it's the Big O Pacific Revolution Pioneer. The website is? Thebigo.kiwi. But please tell me it's available in all good bookstores, Patrick. It's available in all good bookstores. There's 40 bookstores in Australia. It's number four in New Zealand in, in, in Whitcool. It's selling like hotcakes there. Yes. We're, yeah. behind, we're behind yeah. Michelle Obama, but in COVID, we're just going to We're all behind that. Michelle <laughs> Obama, I think. And will Olsen do any publicity? He's been doing lots of publicity, lots of interviews. Yeah. And a couple. what's really th- sort of third thing that's thrilled me is Olsen was the most elusive quarry, the most reluctant. If you've yeah. read The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell, there's a... The reluctant hero sets out on a quest, yeah. faces the road of trials, slays the dragon and bring, <laughs> brings back the magic elixir for his people. And he he, he conforms so, so beautifully to that. But it took me six months to convince him to do this because he didn't understand. And I said and I said to him, if we do it, we have to tell it warts and all. It can't be a fanboy. So I had to tell that his father was a brutal tyrant who bashed the family. Yeah, and yeah. I had to produce some of the sad bits. But that makes it more real. Of course. The Pacific company, uh, community uh, appreciates the, 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 the truth in context. And he said to me, it feels like... Because I was always wondering, is he, is he happy mm. being dragged through this? And he said, I was a bit uncomfortable at the start, but now it's like a weight off my shoulders that my story is being told. Because mm. the stories that are out here about him, he always thought were unfair. But if it was a biography and I asked Olsen to write it himself, it would have been five pages long. He's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a man of few words. So <laughs> stepping in as his storyteller is, 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 is what an honour. Really. Dennis wrote his autobiography and it is five pages long. Patrick <laughs> oh, thank you very much. What about mine, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, they couldn't even publish that. It was rejected. Uh, <laughs> and I just one, 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 final, one, one final word, gents. If, uh, we'll remain quiet. quiet sitting and harking back to year 12 at John Terry Coeducational Catholic High School Media and my Network career advisor. And the courtesy of if I said Radio on well. podcast with the OG. Thank you, Patrick. Of house music in Sydney, <laughs> the doyen of R and D tax right. incentives. I would have told him. <laughs> I would have said you need to change yeah. medication. Really really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you have any New Zealand blood? No. Thank you, Patrick. The way you Thanks, Pat. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> well, you have to. And like ki- even your kiwi is a bit more. It's not an Australian kiwi. Yeah, I, it's just I. Yeah, I've been pulled up a few times. Because, we, because on my uh, pronunci- pronunciation of Māori, 